This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coglin and Mari Carlino as we get you all caught up with a crazy uh, end to the football season and as we uh, move forward to the summer, spring, whatever we want to call it. We're technically in the spring season, but uh, I just say summer season, but we got a lot of sports to talk about. So um, as always, a jam-packed episode. Just a quick reminder before we get started that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, uh, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you guys are subscribing there as well. We're going to do our usual four-quarter format. Um, in the first quarter, we are going to put a bow on the football season that was unlike any other football seasons, um, both uh, wins for both Loyola and Nutrier to end. Uh, the crazy year. In the second quarter, we're going to be joined by new Trier football player Tyler Harden. In the third quarter, we play way or no way. And then in the fourth quarter, we get you guys all caught up on what's happening with all the sports, other sports that are happening right now. Um, try to talk about some storylines that are happening and uh, some things that we're looking forward to as we, as a lot of these seasons are um, getting uh, up to speed and getting in, um, getting in, uh, as the non-conference and conference seasons are taking place. But why don't we finish things up in the first quarter by talking about football. Um, and why don't we start with Loyola, where um, I feel like in the last few weeks of the podcast, we've, like, talked about Loyola, and it's been, like, ho-hum, like, they won another game, they did this, they did that. And it's, like, I feel like we, like, have talked about them, but we haven't, like, I don't know, there's only so many superlatives you can say about a team that this that's this dominant. and. Um, as we kind of look back on the season now, I mean, uh, after they won 43 to 14 against a, a good Maris team, um, Loyola finished the season undefeated, obviously no, um, playoffs this year, all, it seems like from what we can tell all of the polls, um, around the state have Loyola as the best team, number one team in, in the state of Illinois. Um, and I don't know, I feel like we're not going to say anything groundbreaking new or anything like that. Obviously we're going to be sad that there's no playoffs, but guys, I mean, this Loyola team, I mean, it really is a season of like what could have been where we really are wishing for um, matchups against, I don't know, like Evanston and the Lincoln way East matchup and then traveling the state and that kind of stuff over this team. I mean, this team could have been the team of the decade for um, the state of Illinois with just the amount of talent on it, the amount of college talent on it and just, how hyped and how dominant they are all season. I mean, I don't think there, I mean, other than us talking about maybe that St. Rita game to start the year, um, there was never really a game in doubt for Loyola this year where it seemed like they were maybe going to lose. You know, no, there wasn't. And it's hard to, it's hard to get other people, I think, to understand how good they are. It's like, yeah, you know, I heard Loyola. It's like, guys, like, you don't like, this is the best Loyola team. Like, the best of the best teams is is something really special. And um, I think that's what they put out there. 
you know, being at the game in Maris, the atmosphere was pretty electric. It was, it was pretty wild. And for me walking in there, to be honest, and yeah, this is kind of a Homer thing to say. I was like, you know, what's all the fuss about? Because Loyola's about to run these guys out of their home. <laughs> and I felt pretty silly after the first, you know, quarter when they were going back and forth. I was like, well, Maris seems to have found the chink in the armor, which is the deep ball and just keeping them very off balance with the pass, both bunch of deep balls. He kept throwing the ball deep and they hit, they hit a few of them. So I was like, you know, if they sustain this, it's going to be a ball game, but of course they didn't. Um, and uh, the, the Rams defense got some key turnovers started there at the end of the first half and then just shut them out in the second half. And Vaughn Pemberton, you know, if he wasn't the best running back in Loyola history before that, I guess that I've seen in, in Loyola history, um, I think he was after that game. I mean, he he just dominated a Maris defense that um, has been pretty good all year, held some good teams under, under 20 points, under 30 points, 25 points. And um, – he was unstoppable. I mean, they couldn't touch him. Um, five scores, another 75 plus yarder, um, you know, a big, you know, the one drive that was so crazy was the end of the first half and <clears throat> Maris, Maris was playing great defense. They backed him up to like a third. And I think, um, I think it was like third and 28 and they had to get to, well, first it was third and 11. They handed it to, to the, in, in deep in Loyola territory, they handed it to Pemberton. He got 50 yards. Third and 11. <laughs> and then <laughs> they backed him up even further. Um, I think Loyola was on the 10. They kept backing him up, backing him up. And it was third and 28. Basically the goal. They had to get to the one-yard line. Just a little pitch to uh, – sorry, a little toss to uh, Pemberton. And he went 28 yards down to the one-yard line, which he might have scored. But down to the one-yard line. It's like <laughs> – he basically did what he wanted. It was like almost like Loyola was kind of waiting until they absolutely needed him, and then he did what he wanted. We're talking – this. you didn't even ask about Pemberton. I'm sorry, but we're talking about <laughs> over 1,000 total yards and 15 touchdowns in six games. So, so uh, now we are going to ask, though, Joe, in your time covering the Ramblers, two-part question here. Is he the best offensive Loyola player you've seen, and is this the best Ramblers team you've covered? Huh, uh, I'm going to have to give him, yes, no offense to guys like you said, offense. So that includes quarterbacks like Peter Pujols, who, who even got a small cup of coffee with the Minnesota Vikings um, and had a, a great All-America career. Um, and I believe it was Holy Cross. And, um, you know, Quinn Boyle, who I think had 50 total touchdowns or something crazy. He ran for you know, 15 and he threw for 20. Rory Boos. I know there are some years, really impressive years from Owen Viscaglia in there, I think too. Viscaglia, Owen, um, um, Charlie Dowdle was a dynamic receiver and um, uh, Malcolm uh, Weaver was a quarterback. Um, Dara Laja, another running back. So there's been a lot, um, but I, I, I don't know how you can argue 16 touchdowns a season ago, 15 and six games this year. Um, you know, you want to throw 15 in six games. My goodness. <laughs> if you want to throw some names at me before 10 years ago, that I'm sure, I'm sure there's others comparable, but he's going to go to ball state and he was just a, a wrecking crew, a one man wrecking crew. Their offensive line was awesome too. Um, three guys going to play college ball through maybe four. Um, so yeah, I'd put him up there the best team ever. I'd put him with that Malcolm Weaver team that scored 40 plus points a game in 2011. 
I believe. And um, they went to the state championship game and lost to Bolingbrook on a rainy day. And Bolingbrook had that quarterback who went to Illinois. Um, Aaron Bailey. Thank you. Andrew. That game was terrible. <laughs> as, 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 as someone who was sitting in the stands in a rainy day, that game was not fun at all, especially that bus ride home. I mean, we, I, remember, I actually specifically remember talking about the newsroom. was like, what's going to stop Loyal? Like, they score 40, 50 points every game. The rain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That really slowed them down. Bowling Group was obviously a state champion, so they had a lot to do. Yeah. And Aaron Bailey was unbelievable. But, um, yeah, I, I would – I'd put it up there. And recency bias, bias maybe, but that team was so awesome. And um, the Maris crowd was awesome. And then all of a sudden – they had to shut up because what are you going to do? You know, that second <laughs> half had to be such a drain on them because they were so hyped and uh, turnover, touchdown, turnover, touchdown, turnover, touchdown. All it's, uh, it's hard to even compare them to that last uh, championship team, the 2018 group, because that team lost three games. And I got to be honest, I cannot envision a scenario in which this team would even lose two games, let alone three. So, um, that's that's saying something that you know we can't even compare them to the latest um state champion Loyola team I think the 2015 champion was the Quinn Boyle team is that right does anybody remember I think so yeah I think so too and I'm pretty sure they were perfect um and they had uh, David Terrell's son too um as a wide receiver um so that team was really good but I I they didn't have like this Loyola team can just control the com- the clock and the gameplay um, on both sides of the ball completely. So, yeah, pretty cool. The, set, the, the 17 team that lost to Lincoln way in the championship was, uh, was no sleeper team either. Really good, uh, really go- good team that year as well, too. Yeah, they put up, they fielded a lot uh, of really good teams. But, you know, I think I was putting together in the end of Neil's story, just like a senior send-off, and, like, I kept finding kids that are still playing in college. And then Marty Hour finally got and he's going to walk on to Notre Dame so that was like number 14 or 15 that are playing yeah. college <laughs> crazy pretty crazy yeah for sure so why don't we play this hypothetical game of who would have stopped Loyola or like what would the path to I don't know where they're going to play Champaign or DeKalb but the normal year this year it's hard to keep up but who what team would have stopped or uh, Loyola in 8A obviously Lincoln Way East would have something to say about it but um, and obviously it's hard to predict because the playoffs are, I mean, obviously good teams have lost in the playoffs before, but I mean, what other teams in 8A would have really put up a fight against Loyola where you would have any argument of saying that the biggest chance Loyola really has of losing is in the state championship game against hypothetical Lincoln, Lincoln Way East? You know, I think all the cards fall right for certain teams they could make it a game. And I think one of those teams is probably Brother Rice. You know, I didn't think Brother Rice played terrible against Loyola. They just – Loyola had um, four um, big rushing touchdowns, and, you know, that that's such a drain um, to a defense. Um, but, you know, Brother Rice really put some drives together. They able to score. They beat Mount Carmel this year. Uh, I think they're a really good team. And if they're on the opposite side of the bracket and can get to the championship game, maybe they build some momentum. But Lincoln Way East is the team you look at, another undefeated team out of the South Suburbs. And uh, disclaimer, Joe's alma mater. Um, their coach was my driver's ed instructor. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't think East had as much talent as they did when they played Loyola two years ago. Um, 
but um, I, they had a dynamic running back in Jalen Johnson. Um, they had a defense. The defenses are always comparable, I feel, between Loyola and East, whether they're, you know, exact matches, probably not, but they're comparable. East always stops people. They don't allow many points every single year. They got a dynamic front, front seven, front eight every year. So could they stop Vaughn Pemberton? That'd obviously be the game plan. And they, you know, they'd try to make um, JT Thomas make some plays, who's a college bound athlete. Um, but um, I, I think it could happen. I think it falls in the right way and it's a close game and they get one big play out of Jalen Johnson, like they did um, a couple of years ago um, out of Henning. So, uh, but no, I don't think anyone would, but I think those are the two teams that could. I think maybe Warren might be able to give him a shot uh, as well. Give him a good game. You know, we saw in 2019 that they reached the state championship game, fell a little short on a, another rainy and uh, snowy mixy day against Lincoln way in that 2019 uh, 8A state championship. So they've, they've probably got a little bit of, uh, of blood back from that team that made a run. So you'd, you'd think that they'd have a, they'd have a real strong roster and usually a program that brings some very legit defenses. So um, maybe they'd have a chance. I, I'm taking a look now uh, at the final um, week six coaches poll of uh, uh, the top five teams in eight in in eight A, and you just go down this list, and yeah, it's hard to make a convincing case for some of these programs that would be able to to beat Loyola. So the top two after Loyola, Lincoln Way East, as Joe mentioned, then Warren, as I just mentioned, and then at number four in that coaches coaches poll, we've got Naperville Central, which, if I'm not mistaken, just beat Maine South this week. Um, but they gave up 30 points to a main South offense that I don't think is anywhere comparable to Loyola. So if they're going to giving up 30 points to that team, I don't think they would hang very well um, with the Ramblers. And then you've got Hinsdale central at number five, going to be honest, don't know very much about that group this year, but, but usually another good program. And then Barrington at number six, before we get brother rice, Maris and main South seven, eight, nine. Um, and I think we can all confidently agree that uh, we feel, seven, eight, nine, do not, uh, line up to this Loyola team. So, uh, usually Barrington and, you know, another really good program, but I don't know if they're, you know, at the level that could challenge the Rambler. So there's a couple teams, maybe as Joe mentioned that we, we think could, could, you know, be a one score game. Uh, and we gotta give, we gotta give a shout out to St. Rita, I think, because, um, obviously a seven to three matchup in that first week, four points, closest game the Ramblers have had all year. Aside from that, the closest game, they had this year was an 18 point victory. So got to give, you know, real props to St. Rita. And that's, that's a really good team over there to, to make it that close of a game and to have the Ramblers straight trailing late in the fourth quarter. So um, they might be one of the top three, four teams in the state right there. How much do you feel like in a normal year, we would have complained about the assignments and Loyola having to travel or Loyola hosting a game on Saturday? I, I give it like uh, an over under of three or four times in a podcast that we would complain about the assignments for the, for the postseason. I oh, mean, yeah. it's only tradition you, every single year. You know, there's some kind of scenario in which they give Lincoln way like a three seed so that they match up with Loyola and it's not the championship <laughs> game and they put them on the same side. So you can almost, you know, guarantee that in a normal year that would have happened. So uh, it would have been fun for us, but uh, yeah, I, we would have had some complaining for sure. Yeah. And week three, you know, after Loyola's got two home games in the pocket, then, you know, all it takes is one upset from that half of the bracket to, for a team to have only one home game. And now they got to travel to normal community West for a uh, <laughs> for a third round playoff game, 
Well, hopefully we'll be able to do that uh, this upcoming fall uh, when football returns. But uh, we'll touch on Loyola in the third quarter. Um, but let's uh, talk about Nutrier ending its season. And uh, um, it's pretty crazy on Friday. You fa- we were looking forward to them playing St. Charles East at Northern Illinois University. Then, Joe, I saw that you tweeted like Friday, like mid-afternoon that that game was canceled. And then I was like, are we playing? Are they going to play a game? Is it like, how do you find an opponent in a couple hours? And then all of a sudden, you, I saw your other tweet saying that they'll play Maine West. So they had, so New Cheer does end up playing the CSL North team um, after all of this, uh, all of that uh, talk. And um, end of the season on a positive note with the win um, against Maine West, a 35 to 20 win on Friday, um, helping New Cheer finish the season with a 5 and 1 record. Uh, Marty, I know you were there. Um, and, uh, I know it got close toward the end, but it seems like it was just a game that Nutrier kind of controlled and, um, was really able to, uh, control against Maine West with, uh, very limited. I mean, I don't know if they had any like game plan heading into the game, obviously given the two hour notice. Yeah. And that's the thing that really stuck out to me, you know, not really much of a chance to prepare at all. Didn't even think that they were going to have a game after that cancellation, um, for the Northern Illinois game. So, the Trevians just came out firing and jumped out to a 35 to nothing lead before, uh, as you mentioned there, Michael Main West eventually made it a 35 uh, 20 game late on, but yeah, five straight um, touchdowns from the Trevians to open the game. Um, so 35 unanswered for them before Main West was able, was even able to get anything rolling. So they came out and did exactly what um, we all expected them to do in this final week here and just get things rolling and put the game to bed pretty quickly. So um, the, the seniors, as I mentioned in last week's episode, got into the end zone, two touchdowns for Tyler Harden, uh, a touchdown for Brody Roth, two touchdowns for Chase Avery. So um, big night for the seniors, great send off for them. And, you know, th- this was a really good Nutrier team finished the year five and one could have easily been six and oh, um, if things change, if, if the ball rolls a little differently and things uh, change just slightly in that main, main South game. Um, two weeks ago, but really, really, really good new cheer team this year. Um, lot, a lot of talent on this year and uh, a lot of talent coming back next year as well. So some exciting things to talk about as we, as we move forward here. Yeah, it was great to see them pick up a game when, it, when, you know, I got a word from our sources, by the way, that's why you guys got to love local community sources. Uh, we have <laughs> the inside. So um, <clears throat> I really thought, I mean, it was, what time was it, Michael? Afternoon? Yeah, I tweeted. I'm like, that's it's too late. What are they going to find? All those other teams have games. Um, you know, they've been working on them. So, but um, unfortunately, and subsequently, fortunately for um, Nutria, GVS had to drop um, from that Main West battle. So they got that game. I was uh, so glad glad to see that for those seniors. I really, you know, you know, while Marty was on the beat, I think just seeing all the social media chatter and hearing from Coach Dahl a couple of times and even being on the field to, to do photos a couple of times, it was clear that those seniors put a lot into that season um, just to get out there. They, they tried their butts off at just seeing guys like Harden and Roth, Roth, especially on the defensive end, put forth the effort they did. A lot of other guys too, by the way. Just a quick shout out to Liam Cummings, who made the all-conference team, who's what, a 5'7 defensive tackle? Guy's crazy. Uh, and he had a great <laughs> um, So – Really happy that they got to get that game. They were a fun team to watch. Very fast. Got to love watching those fast teams. Very talented um, overall. And um, glad they got to see. And I think they, you know, depending on their non-cons, if they've had a full season, 
you know, if they scheduled Warren, which they sometimes do, I can't remember if they still had an agreement with them. Um, you know, that might, probably would have been a loss, but you know, this, we're looking at a seven, eight win team, I think with the right schedule. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And even with the, um, you know, as you mentioned there, if the non, depending on how the non-conference game plays out, possibly an eight win team um, here, Joe. And, and like I'd mentioned in, in, a, in a different universe, maybe that main South game turns out 14 to nine, the other direction instead of uh, 14 to nine main South. But uh, yeah, one thing from talking to some of these seniors to, to build off what Joe was saying throughout the season is they mentioned that 2019, which obviously was the last season, left a really bad taste in their mouth. Um, that was the first year they had missed the playoffs in a long time. Um, so they came into this year with extra motivation and really wanted to avenge some of those losses and some of those disappointments from that 2019 season. So uh, I think it, it's certainly fitting to say that they did just that uh, with, the, with the year they had, even in this abbreviated six-game campaign. Um, and you look at some of the, some of the rankings out there, they, they – Nutria looks like they snuck into some of the top 25s and uh, some of the top 15s and some of those coaches poll. So this was, this was a really good Trevins team this year. So yeah, let's talk about how good of a team. I mean, I know we touched on it a little bit last week with way or no way, but I mean, um, obviously losing the main South um, in a tight game isn't uh, anything looked down upon, but I mean, um, how, just how good was this team just overall for the progression of the team for the progression of the program and um i mean this was a team that didn't have uh, david david Cobb, who enrolled early to be at iowa right now and thinking of how good a team could be with the i mean a power five big 10 offensive lineman like that i mean these guys were already uh playing at such an elite level i mean just how big of a year was this for new Trier and how much does it kind of impact um you know things moving forward where i, I know a lot of these guys are going to be coming back and um, there is senior leadership, but they're also underclassmen playing as well. And that's a really great point, Michael. And I'm glad you mentioned it because I think it's hard sometimes for our listeners to understand how big of a loss Davikoff was not having him this year. Um, you know, people might just think, oh, it's an offensive lineman. You know, what, what difference is that going to make? But it's an extraordinary and an immense difference um, having a player like that on any football team, but when you consider the high school football game, having a player of that uh, caliber uh, and that greatness on the offensive line is a huge difference maker. And that can, that can quite literally change the entire outlook of your offense. Having someone like that, that can, you know, open up uh, an entire side of the field, having someone of, of that caliber on the offensive line. So losing him was a huge blow for this team. And it created, I think, um, perhaps just the, just the slightest bit of a depth issue on that offensive line. Cause they did go into this year with, um, some new starters on the line and some, some younger, um, you know, younger players who lacked a little bit of that varsity experience. So that's a, uh, that's a tough thing to make up, especially in a short season. Um, and I think, uh, in that main South game, they had, you know, two or three guys on the line who, um, you know, had only had a handful who had, who had only played a handful of varsity games. So, um, you know, losing someone like that was, was a huge blow for them. And if he's there and if some of those injuries on the off offensive side of the ball don't happen, you know, the Mendezes and the Coens and they have a full year of health, which is sometimes, you know, a, an idealistic way of thinking, but it, it certainly can happen. So in a world where, you know, all those things are, are different elements to this team, I think we're talking about a 6-0 and team, and I think we're talking about a top 12 to 
18 ish team in the state, you know, right up there with some of those programs we were mentioning earlier, you, you see the rankings, you see Maine South in the top 10. And, you know, I, I think with those different elements, they probably beat them this year. So um, yeah, I, I've been fairly consistent about this team and I, I don't want to come off as a, as a homer, but I, I think this was a really strong uh, group that they had this year. Yeah. And worth noting, I think um, that uh, David Koff would also be on the D line. I think, you know, he likes probably plays at least, yeah. at least in some situations. That, that coaching staff knows how to use their best players. So he would have, he would have contributed in another capacity, I'm sure. Yeah. And just another person um, uh, on that, on that strong defense, but Michael, you mentioned the culture of this team and where are we going? Um, I think that was an important question to answer this season. Um, and I'm glad they had a season to answer it because they missed the playoffs in 2019 for the first time. And I think was 12, 13, 14 seasons. So I think a lot of people around who, you know, whether they might play, might not play football, they're looking at it like, is this a team like, you know, do I want to go the extra mile for, do I want to, you know, put all the hard work and effort. And I think they answered that question this year by, yeah, we were young last year. We took a step back. We missed the playoffs. We come right back with a six and one, five and one season. Um, I think that says a lot about the program and, and what they want to do and where they're going um, and a bright future um, is ahead. So, you know, you can kind of push that off to an outlier and not a trend, which I think is huge. So congrats to both teams on obviously a fun season. I know very different or really a different COVID year and hopefully come fall time we'll uh, – I mean, these guys are going to be back at it in like, what, three or four months. I mean, you got to get ready for summer workouts and training camp in August and that kind of stuff. It's going to be a quick turnaround, and that alone is going to be really interesting to see um, how a fall season looks, obviously, with uh, how players are able to stay healthy and um, just a quick turnaround. I mean, you're playing football twice in a year, obviously, is uh, – not uh, something that's uh, really easy on the body. So we'll look at that, but um, it was a fun year and we're going to stick with football now in the second quarter where we're going to be joined by uh neutral football player, Tyler Harden. Marty, I know that you caught up with them um, after the season finale win against Maine West. What are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, we'll hear Tyler talk about just what the feeling was like, you know, at two 30 on Friday afternoon, thinking that his new chair football career was going to be over. And then all of a sudden he gets news that he was going to have one last chance to go on the field and one last, one last chance to, uh, to play another game as a Trevian football player. And he talks about, um, you know, how much that meant to him and how happy he was to, uh, to see all the hard work pay off this year with the, with the five and one finish. So, um, Really great interview from Tyler and some some good insights from here. So uh, excited for our listeners to have a chance to uh, to to hear and feel that emotion from uh, from one in so one very important senior on this uh, on this team this year. All right, let's take a listen. On your on your final career game, you know what does that mean for you? And just just talk to me about uh, you know how much you're going to remember tonight. Yeah, um, I mean to start it was kind of got surprised when we were huddled up in the uh, gym. We didn't really think we were going to have a game. We thought we were just going to scrimmage each other. And um, we have an amazing athletic director who pulled it through. And I mean, we were so thankful that we just had a game to play. And just one last time, just get out there with the team. And everything we worked for in such a crazy year that we don't really know what was promised. And we pulled it off. And, the touchdowns for sure were something to remember, but I mean, none of it could have been done without the guys around me. So I'm forever grateful for them. Yeah, and then that first one had to be a, a little extra fun for you there, yeah. Tyler. Um, walk me through that play. Was it a little bit of a broken play because it looked like 
Nev kind of scrambled to the outside, yeah. and then you ran to the spot. Was it a little bit of a, a broken play? Um, or was took, that what you were guys, what so you guys were going there for? There was a boot left, but it took longer to develop just because of uh, the pressure in the pocket. So I took my guy inside a little bit. Knew we had about eight yards to the goal line. Um, got got there, made my cut out to the pylon, and Nevin just put it on the money and touchdown. You talked about it a little bit in your uh, in your first answer there, Tyler. But overall, what does this year mean to you as a whole? You know, getting out here, still having the chance to play. Obviously, not a full season, but but still some season yeah. at all. And uh, what are some of the real memories that you'll you'll take away from this year? Um, I mean, our senior class is definitely something special and something that we're going to remember forever. This off season, I mean, coming off of that the 2019 season, we uh, we had a lot of sour taste left in our mouth, and we saw our potential and. We, we went out and worked for it. Nothing was given to us. Uh, hours in the weight room, extra work over quarantine, um, going to the field for extra work to run routes, get the connection going with Nevin. And, I mean, it all paid off, and I couldn't be happier with the guys. Thanks so much for joining us, Tyler. And, as always, thanks to all the players and coaches for joining us. Always good to get your guys' insight. All right, we're halfway through the podcast, so let's just give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, we're going to start the third quarter by playing our weekly game of way or no way, a guessing game where I give the guys five propositions and they say way, something can happen, no way, something cannot happen. Uh, Marty, I'm going to start with you with the first one. Uh, way or no way that the New Cheer Girls soccer team, which is 4-0-2 so far, can go undefeated in the conference this season. Yeah, just for the uh, the statistical perspective and the uh, the odds here, I'm going to go no way on this one. Um, you know, we've talked about this this type of issue so many times on this podcast here recently about the, the tough schedules these teams are facing with multiple games um, in in a short amount of time. And you know, the quick turnaround that these programs have to face with the, with the condensed season and all the action they're, they're playing. So I'm going to go no way on this. I think there might be a slip up or two in their schedule, but um, as you mentioned there, Michael, very strong start so far for this program. And this is a program year after year, we've seen reach state championships and win state titles. So um, obviously we, we think very highly of them and expect that they will be uh, another contender this year, but I'm going to go no way on this one. I'm going to go way in conference. Um, I think they're just going to get stronger as the season progresses um, and, uh, you know, run through the conference. I know there's going to be a ton of games in a tight space, but um, I think they've kind of owned that conference. And while that gives them a target on that back, it also gives them a bit of, you know, a lot of confidence um, as they play the GBSs and main south of the world. So uh, I'm going to go away. They go undefeated through conference. I don't think they go undefeated overall. Um, they, they tend to play in a lot of, um, tough non-cons and even tournament matchups. So, um, but I will say in conference way. All right. Uh, the Loyola boys volleyball team is off to a 10 and one start as of the time of us recording this, they beat Nutrier and they recently won a tournament. Um, so Joe way or no way that the Loyola boys volleyball team had the chance to make it down to state this year. Uh, way big way. Uh, I like this team a lot. Um, I've, I'm an, I'm a volleyball nerd, as you guys know. So, uh, <laughs> Watched a bit of their highlights so far and what I could find. Um, Ryan Merck is legit. Um, one of the best players in the state. Um, and they're going to feed him the rock. So, um, 
you know, they, they took down Nutrier with such ease and Nutrier um, was coming off of quarantine. So um, they got to get their act together for sure. But their only loss came to GBN, who is a perennially great program as well. Um, but they've taken down everybody else um, pretty efficiently. So um, I think they got a chance to go down state. I think they definitely could. Yeah, I'm going to uh, easy agreement here with Joe and, and go way on this one. Um, just looking at some of their, their early season games, you know, a, a two-set win over Warren, two-set win over uh, Niles Notre Dame, two-set win over Lake Forest, two-set win over GBS, uh, and then you two-set win over Nutria as well. So um, this, is, this is a really talented group, and I think they're going to make a run um, later on this spring. So uh, I, easy agreement and going to go way here as well. All right. Uh, the Loyola girls lacrosse team is off to a hot start. So uh, way or no way, Marty, that the girls lacrosse team will be undefeated uh, when they take on Hinsdale Central on May 10. I'm going to go way here on this one, Michael. So far, uh, as of our recording of this podcast, they're 5-0. and And the big victory on the, the schedule so far is that uh, a win over that 12-7 to win over Nutrier a couple Saturdays ago. So um, that's the only loss of the season for the Trevian. So obviously that's a, a really good program over there at Nutria as well. Um, so I'm going to go way on this one. You just look at what they're doing so far, huge wins, um, over the likes of Maris, Barrington, Bennett, and then the, the Nutria victory as well. So I'm going to go way. I think, uh, we might be looking at the best team in the state here. Yeah, I'm going to go way too. I think, um, as Marty said, that Nutria game was probably the, um, the Linda's test about it, uh, about the season, see, you know, which team's better, number one, and, and which team who is better, you know, how good are they? And I think Loyola proved that they are the team to beat right now. Um, taking care of business against everybody else. They've got just a star-studded lineup, um, probably every single one of them going to college. But, no, a lot of them playing at the next level. So, um, yeah, I go away. They're going to stay undefeated until that big Hinsdale Central matchup. Hey, Joe, I know you're out covering uh, softball for Nutrier, and I know uh, both Loyola and Nutrier are a few games into the season. Uh, why or no way that Loyola softball finishes with more wins than Nutrier this season? Ooh, I'm going to say wait. You know, that's a tough one for a few reasons. Um, one, um, Loyola plays in a tougher conference most years um, with all those GCAC teams, the Resurrections, the Mother McCauley's. Um, who Trinities, who always put up really strong teams year after year. Um, but they've got a pitcher who's striking out, you know, 10, 12 a game, um, which is going to take you places on the softball field. And Nutrier, just watching him play, you know, they've got uh, a 13-person roster and only two seniors. So, um, you know, a freshman, five sophomores, and, and, and five juniors, and a lot of the sophomores are playing. So, they're rebuilding. They're working on it. Um, you know, Nutria softball was once kind of the pinnacle of the area. Um, you know, I think they, I think I put in the article, they won something like 10 straight regionals in the, the mid, the mid two thousands. Um, so there's, there's, they still got to put it together. And I think they're going to take their, take their lumps because of it, but then be a better team the next couple of years because of that. But this year, I think we can expect a 500 or lower record for Nutria softball and I think Loyola will be above 500 so way on that one yeah I'm gonna agree with here uh with Joe on this one and say way as well I think the Ramblers Ramblers will edge them by uh, a couple wins maybe three or four wins but 
Um, yeah, I'm looking at Loyola's schedule right now, and they've got some some challenging games coming up, both in conference and outside of conference. Looks like um, they're all outside of conference, also going to play some some real nice programs. You know, the Glenbrook South. They've got Glenbrook South on their schedule. Um, so so some out of out of conference tests for them as well. In addition to uh, the Trinities, the Fenwicks, the Resurrections that they're also going to face, but um, Nutrier also is going to going to have a challenging schedule in its own with uh, Loyola coming up here, and then they've got the GBNs, the Main Souths, the Evanstons, all those programs of the world. So um, yeah, I, I think both of these team teams will be solid, but I think the Ramblers will edge them by a, a couple wins years end by year's end. All right, we're going to finish it up with uh, some football for the final question. Um, way or no way that this year's Loyola football team was the best team in Loyola history? <laughs> I don't know much about the 1995 champions. Um, <laughs> uh, I, God, man, isn't that a bummer that we can't, we can't see it on the field because, you know, like the 73 win Golden State Warriors, we got to see it and they didn't win a championship, so they can't be considered the greatest. If Loyola didn't, I, I think they'd be out of that conversation, but we can't even we can't even discuss it because we don't know how they performed in the playoffs. So quite a leap of faith to say it either way. Um, but just because I watched them and, and I was just really impressed by, you know, every level, um, what the, you know, the talent um, as well as the, you know, the effort and the work they put into this. Um, and hearing some, you know, Coach Holosek's words, um, you know, he didn't want to, make a determination, but you know, he was kind of bounced around how they're the best team he coached. So uh, I'll say way, I'll say this is the best team ever. I'll say way too. I mean, this, this group is just too good and too fun to, to not say way here. So in a quote unquote normal year, you think about who else would they play in the regular season that would have a chance to beat them. You know, not many programs in the, in the Catholic league that we, we think would be able to beat them in that regular season. So then we put them at a nine and regular season. And then if they run the table and win the championship, as Joe said, you know, and have an undefeated season, I don't see how there's any, um, how there's any scenario in which you can say they aren't the best uh, program, uh, not only in, in recent memory, but possibly of all time. So, uh, I'm going to agree way here and it, it's hard to go back and compare them to, you know, teams to teams before uh, we were even born or when we were one or two years old. So, uh, you know, I don't think they've ever had this level of college talent on the field together at once. Um, you know, more than a dozen players who are going to continue their career collegiately uh, on, on both sides of the ball. So, uh, it's not like it just one side of the ball was dominant. This team brings it on both offense and defense, as we've said many times. So you mix that in with uh, the running back combinations that they have and the immensely talented defense. And it's just impossible to not say way to this question. <laughs> good stuff. We'll see. I guess we'll never know. That's the sad part of it all. But uh, it was uh, good to watch them and obviously a good debate to have. Um, for a really uh, fun and obscure season. But let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we are going to catch up on some spring sports. And um, like we mentioned earlier, Joe, I know you're out to cover a softball game for um, Nutrier, obviously um, a big lead early on and then a little 
um, some hiccups down the road that made the game a little bit tighter than they were before. But um, what was it like watching this new Trier uh, softball team and um, just uh, what was it like, I guess, um, just kind of getting back into the spring portion of the year where these kids finally get a full season and, uh, um, you know, get a chance of actually competing in regionals and sectionals in a state title as opposed to what we've been doing with the other sports um, during, the, during the school year? Yeah, it felt great to be back out there just as a reporter. Um, it, it really helped that it was, uh, you know, 75 degrees, uh, a bit dusty at Duke Childs. We had a few, uh, a lot of game stoppages because of the little mini dust tornadoes. But um, that's pretty typical for spring. I'll take that. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful day. To Get be some out. water on that field. Yeah, definitely. Good <laughs> try. But um, lots of contact, lots of batted balls in play, which – I just love see, you know, strikeouts are, are fun too, but um, just hearing the crack of the bat over and over was great. Um, big hits, big legit hits for Nutrier over and over. Um, I think uh, Annie Yider, um, who's um, a sophomore and the little sister of Brigitte, who's a um, all-state pitcher back in the day for Nutrier, um, had a big day, you know, bases clearing triple, um, another, another base uh, run scoring base knock. Um, and she was on the mound and, um, you know, they're going to take their lumps this year, as I talked about in, in way or no way. Um, they're so young. They're still learning the game. You know, Coach Rose Waisaki, this is her first actual year. She was hired before last year, but they didn't have a season. So this is her first actual year. She's still trying to um, get acclimated herself. And she said, you know, they're trying to teach the girls about um, basically the, the mind process that goes into a game like softball or baseball. What are you going to do if the balls hit you? What are you going to do? situation wise at the plate if you have this count if you have that count if these runners are on thinking ahead in that way is a big part to the game and she's trying to get them to that next level thinking and they're really young so they're gonna uh, it's gonna take some time to figure it out but they're back playing um, like I said it was great to hear all those sounds you hear in a baseball field um, even the dust in the eye I'll take it <laughs> So what are some other highlights that you guys have seen? I mean, I know we talked a little bit in way or no way. I mean, obviously Loyola boys volleyball is off to a really impressive start. Um, you got both lacrosse teams starting off pretty well. I mean, for a few games into the baseball seasons and softball seasons as well. So, I mean, what um, have you guys noticed so far that's kind of uh, caught your attention and something to keep an eye on as uh, we move forward with the spring summer seasons? Yeah, both uh, boys and girls volleyball in all of our coverage area, I think, are going to put together some really fun seasons for us. So really looking forward to that. The lacrosse programs, as we mentioned, um, great, great programs, going to going to deliver some really awesome seasons. I'm excited to see how uh, both baseball and softball are going to play out this year as well. Um, in addition to all of our all of these sports getting a chance for postseason play now, I'm particularly excited for some uh, playoff baseball here. So Really looking forward to um, both on the on the Ramblers and Trevian side of how um, their baseball seasons will finish up because I think both those teams are very very strong this year. So excited to see uh, what what those programs can do, um, and then also equally equally um, uh, ecstatic to to check out some of the uh, some of the other sports that are back this year that we missed out uh, on last year because of the pandemic. So uh, exciting times, a lot going on at once, you know. Uh, there was once a time where we weren't sure this was going to happen. So uh, really thankful that, that we're able to, to cover these teams again. 
Yeah, and I, I'm right with Marty, and I think we have some legit title contenders to keep an eye on from Nutria Girls Soccer. You know, Loyola Girls Soccer is no joke. Um, both lacrosse teams um, from both schools and both genders um, are going to make runs here. I think Loyola Boys Volleyball is one to look out for. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen with baseball if they get hot, but, um, you know, we'll see on that. So, uh, and, you know, wrestling's coming up in not too long, a month, less than a month. So we'll get that sport back in the rotation as well. One thing to point out from the baseball side, you know, coach Mike Napoleon picked up win number 900, which puts him according to, um, some of the stats that are kept, um, which are unofficial, but number two in the state in IHSA history. So nine hundo. Um, let's see. Uh, we haven't actually been able to catch up with him yet. Uh, we know we're, we're planning on it and doing something on that. Um, and hopefully asking him the big question about 1000, is he going to get there? <laughs> That's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins, a lot of years, a lot of wins. So congratulations, uh, coach on a, on a, you know, amazing accomplishment, 900 wins. Yeah. I know we've had a lot of uh, good coaches in the area and great coaches that made a, uh, um history um throughout the years but yeah obviously 900 wins i don't know that, that's a lot of time that's a lot of bait that's a lot of games to uh be managing and that kind of stuff uh a lot of uh, a lot of cold spring uh afternoons um in the state of illinois a lot of charlie tilson homers in those wins that is true the no legend one, of charlie tilson. a lot of walks too for charlie tilson no one <laughs> wanted a piece of <laughs> that obp is great um, well, I guess that's everything that we got for you guys uh, this week. We'll obviously keep you updated on everything that's going on with the latest sports news. Um, that's uh, all we got for football this year. Obviously, a memorable and historic year for both programs. Thanks, as always, for listening, uh, for those who listen for that. And make sure you guys are coming back and listening to all the other sports coverage that we have going on with all the fun spring and summer sports. Um, like Joe mentioned earlier, I think we got a lot of uh, – title contenders here. So uh, make sure you guys are keeping up with all the stories and headlines um, each and every week. But uh, just a quick reminder, they can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you uh, give us a nice little review and spread the word as well. Um, we appreciate all the listens and uh, views that we get. So for Joe and Marty and I, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.